This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. We may or may not be live. I'm not sure, but when all technical difficulties happen, or when one technical difficulty happens, we always have to have multiple ones, right? Because it seems that it works. I, so I, hopefully I, you guys can hear me. Can you guys hear me okay? You, and you are live, Brian. I, I took you know, the I mic here because it's super windy on my balcony. I always like to create last-minute problems for the show. Those of you guys watching forever know that. It's super windy, so I think I'm putting it down here and holding it, creating like a little baby so I can be heard on the show, which nobody wants to hear anyway, but. I'll meet myself eventually and let these esteemed people talk about all the amazing things that they have to talk about. I appreciate you guys being here for another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Cyril with Insider Bricks. We're here with our fourth week show focused on the RV industry, outdoor recreation. So we've got our recurring guests here, Phil Gracia from RVDA, Eleanor Ham from RVDA of Canada, Shane Devinish from the CRVA. And then we've got a couple cool guests here, Steve and Alec, who are both from Drive Home RV. One is in Amsterdam, Alec. And where did you say you were, Steve? I'm in the Hudson Valley, New York. That doesn't seem as interesting as Amsterdam. How did you get that assignment? That's where the house is. Oh, okay. You got to work on that. Amsterdam is a better location for the house. I like New York, but okay. So super appreciative for everybody for being here. What do we have on our plates? Shane, Phil, and Eleanor, before we get to our special guests, is there anything that really is coming from your desk that you feel is important for us to discuss or talk about? We've had a bad week up here, I'll be honest with you. Some disasters out in the East Coast. A number of our campgrounds got flooded badly. And it it just seems every, everywhere we're turning, we're seeing some some disasters from the climate change. It's really affecting the the industry here. We need some help some somehow planning better for these things. I don't yeah, it's definitely interesting. I'd love to talk more about that because Nova Scotia, right? And if I have audio is dead, by the way, jump in. Cover it the best can. Um, but it's been Nova Scotia flooding. How has this impacted? No, Yeah, we I've been in contact with a few campgrounds. There's probably a half a dozen or so where the roads to their campgrounds have been washed out or some highways that are affecting travel and whatnot. I've seen pictures of three that were completely underwater. It's fortunately receding fast. It's going to take a little little time here for those guys to, to get back. One guy in particular just spent $250,000 on a new septic system. And the flood was so strong, the, the current, that it actually dug out the septic system in it and floated it away. So how do we deal with this from, and I don't want to dive too deep into campgrounds, right? Because we're going to focus on the RV industry mostly, but this is important. How do we deal with this from an industry perspective? And that obviously you can't stop flooding from happening, right? Just fix any camp. You're not going to stop nature. So how is it an insurance thing? Is it an evacuation thing? Is it a infrastructure thing? Okay. And is that campgrounds? I, it, it's not an evacuation thing because it happened so darn fast this time. I just think the government need to start to work on flood prevention avenues. I, there just needs to be something done. And then set up, I'm just doing a budget submission here for federal government for some money. And I, we're recommending that the government provide some, flood, some disaster relief funds for businesses that, you know, are affected in the future. Does this and Eleanor impact any RV colors of that? What if they're not? See, you said this does not impact any of the RV dealers over there. They have heard affected thus far. They tend to be, but we're definitely concerned about RV consumers and people that were out there camping. But I haven't heard of any of the dealers that have. I was away last week, so I haven't had an opportunity to touch base with all of them. 
but definitely overall, it's, it's in Nova Scotia this year. But if you recall, you know, about a year and a half ago, it was in British Columbia. It did wipe out one of our large rental fleets with one of the dealers out here and took out highways. And I like that you're adding that to your pre-budget mission chain, because I definitely think small business is, it's really hard to recover. Yeah. And sorry, yeah. my audio, but yeah, that's what I was asking. You're right. BC, like it's a different thing everywhere. So wildfires in BC, I remember, like we saw that big, huge hairy yeah. video of the dealership that was taken out last year. I don't know. I agree with you that it should be part of the policy and the budget, but how do you prevent everything? It's really hard. All right. What else is going on besides unhappy? We want to focus on that, right? Is there anything happy that's going on? I think that the dealers in the U.S. continue to work through their inventory issues. There was a big story on the industry yesterday on the Reuters Newswire talking about some of the challenges the industry's had in North America over the last several months as and how the manufacturers have balanced their production with, with the current market environment. So I think you got to hand it to the manufacturers for pumping the brakes on production over the last several months and letting the dealers get caught up here because so many 22s came in late. And certainly we heard the same thing in Canada when we were up there earlier this month, Eleanor, about, about those types of issues. But it it appears we're slowly working through those. That's good news. And we expect a stronger market in 2024. Sorry, my mouse isn't working too. It's like stacking of things. I can't even click the unmute. I have to click the M key. What do you foresee as some of the reasoning and logic that you're running into with foreseeing as to why we can point to a more better robust picture for dealers in 2024? Dealers. On the shipment side, dealers have really stopped the stop ordering, especially when you look at the year-over-year -year numbers. So right now we're forecasting in North America from RVIA's numbers about a 300,000 unit at the end of 2023. So that means retail in North America will be between 340 and 350. So we'll have an inventory drawdown, and then that will lead to bigger production as dealers have to restock in 2024. That's the conventional wisdom right now that people are operating under. Although the, the Fed interest rate hikes and whatever they're going to do could impact all that as well. Yeah. And it's definitely what we're seeing on the campground side too, is just the uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be like you hear, every, it seems every other day, we're going to have a recession. We're not going to have a recession. We're going to have a recession. We're not going to have a recession. Obviously we all hope there's a recession. Press, I guess. Let's say, let's welcome Alec and to the show. Have been Please, especially Alec, Amsterdam. Well, like, go to bed soon. I feel like maybe it's seven hours, seven or eight hours ahead of the time way on Calgary in Amsterdam. Alec, I think I might be nine. It's eight eleven p.m. here. Oh, you are. Yeah, you're eight hours ahead of us. So. Yeah, so it's so I'm eight hours ahead then. Yeah. But either way, you definitely need to get some sleep. So talk to us about Drive Home RV and Laura, Steve, how you guys want to distribute that. Sure. Alec, you want to start us off and then just pass it to me whenever you're ready. You're the one that actually started. All right, good pass. I joined late. No, keep going. Keep arguing. It's good. good. I guess number one, it's always the debate in the back and forth. They like controversy. And ironically, that's that's the nature of a family business, right? Is working out these business decisions amongst these relationships you already have. I've known Alec for his entire life, unlike other business associates I might have. So it's a little different. But to talk about who we are, what we do, we, though on the on the business end of things, we're an RV rental company. We consider ourselves an RV adventure outfitter. What we do is we provide people with that sometimes that very first access to RV camping. And because of that, we occupy this very special place in the ecosystem. We take it very seriously. We want to make sure that people have extraordinarily positive experiences when they rent an RV from us and they try that camping trip for the first time. Can't tell you how many people have timidly shared this fantasy with us about what they'd like to do with the RV. And it's so neat to be able to talk to them and say, hey, we can help you with that. Here's some advice. That sounds like a great idea. Maybe that's not a great idea. Here's something you can think about. 
and, and to help them understand things are going to go wrong, but they're all solvable problems, things to consider that they might not have thought about if they're transitioning from tent camping to RV camping, so on and so forth. And for those of us who are RV campers, we've had that transition, right? We understand when you do these things, you know, that everything's going to fall, everything's going to fall out of a refrigerator every time, right? We know that. But the first time it happens to you, it's shocking because your refrigerator had never attacked you at home, right? So it's helping people think through these things and having it not be the thing that stops them. Fantastic. The other thing that we do is beside renting RVs is we have, we provide with our RV rentals, sheets, kitchen sets, all the things they need to get started, but we'll also provide them with electric bikes, with stand-up paddle boards, with pavilion tents, whatever they need to have an excellent experience. We started out with one last year. We have seven this year. Next year, our plan is to go to 14. And then from there, maybe double, maybe triple in size again. The demand where we are is incredible. People want to experience this great, this great access to the wilderness that you can only get with an RV. And we're in this great position to, to make it happen. My role is more in sort of the front-end operations. I have experience managing, maintaining, and, and moving, to use 3Ms, RVs. Alec also has some of that experience, but his experience is in the digital marketing realm. So he's really done an incredible job developing digital presence for us and creating web-based portals that, that potential clients can access our, our services through. So I'll let him share a little bit about that and what the backend work is. Before he does, I just have one follow-up question for you. I'm asking for a friend. If your refrigerator attacks you, is that an excuse to eat too much ice cream? Some, it depends on how it's attacking you. The refrigerator where the ammonia evaporative system has failed and we've got ice cream we've got to get rid of, then you got to eat the ice cream. Generally speaking, just put the things. I'm going to pass that along to my friend. Alec, go ahead. From Amsterdam. Yep, from Amsterdam. So I've been a digital nomad for the past three or four years. So I think when we first, so basically my parents had done this last year. We had talked about it a little bit. I was, I think I was also in Europe at the time. And then I, after the season was over, I talked to them again. This was in December. I was in Thailand and I was talking to them about it. It went really well with just the one unit. And then at the, I just, we had one phone call and I was like, all right, we're doing it. Like we're going to go full force. And then I started researching RV deals. I started getting appraisals. I like went like full engineer and analysis mode on the whole industry and just trying to find out as much information as we possibly could. And then because I have experience not only with engineering, but with digital marketing, building the systems, because there's a lot of complicated things that happen with, we have all these different sites, portals, like we're building our own booking system from scratch. We're just, we're developing our own software from scratch. So that's really where my value, plus I have a team of about 10 people between the businesses I have so I can, they can help organize things, schedule things, respond to people. And my parents are really super knowledgeable about every, everything RVs. I took my first RV trip this year because I was like, all right, if I'm going to be sending people out, I need to know this. So I took a trip with my girlfriend and my friend down to New Orleans and back for a couple of weeks. And that was, I definitely learned a lot. I was the first three days, I think I called my dad every day and I was like, Hey, this thing is happening. And he's like, did you turn it on? What do you mean? It's like sim simple stuff. In all fairness, but, that wasn't your first RV trip. It was first, your first solo RV trip. Yeah, but every other time I didn't, I wasn't the, they were looking at me where usually <laughs> I'm looking at him <laughs> and my friends and my girlfriend were like, all right, you're supposed to fix this. You're the person that has the RV company. I was like, I don't, I'm going to call my dad. All right. So <laughs> that's what interests me guys from a drive home RV perspective, right? So how do you, it interests me from all aspects specifically talking to you two, how do you compete? And I know there's ways I'm asking you specifically, right? When you get into an industry like this and you're basically, am I correct? Competing with RV Shader and Outdoorsy and big, huge brands just on a much smaller scale. No, we're on those platforms. We start competing internally. It's like renting a house and oh, listing all right. yourself, but also on VRBO and Airbnb. It's essentially the same, same building our own portal so that cut out that 
the RV share at outdoorsy take about 25% off the top. So that's a pretty big haircut. And I know haircuts. So having, having the ability to directly rent to a consumer is where we want to get to. The goal essentially would be 100% eventually. But for right now, we're on multiple peer-to-peer platforms as well. Who we're competing with, really, who our competitors are, the way we think of it is we are competing with the large franchises from, a, from this small perspective. So we're competing with Cruise America. We're competing with El Monte RV. That's who we're really competing with. Some of the small regional competitors, there's one about 50 miles from us, 84 RV. That's who we're, that's who we're attempting to capture market share for. But ultimately, the strange thing is the New York RV rental market was a pretty big blue ocean, to use my son's phrase, because there were some, there were some commercial insurance issues that, that companies were slow to resolve. So Cruise America doesn't have a huge presence here. Outdoorsy only recently started managing rentals that weren't self-insured here. So once we opened our doors, if you do a Google search for RV rentals in within about 50 miles of us, we're the first name that comes up because, because we're, we're the first ones to really build up a reasonable level of service in the market. Okay, so two questions, two parts. One, how do you, and maybe this is an Alec question from a digital marketing perspective. And while I ask questions, please, like Eleanor, Phil, Shane, you're way more intelligent on RV things than I am. So feel free to pop in and ask something smart. Uh, but in the meantime, from a, a digital marketing standpoint, how do you, you're not competing with them as a competitor, right? But you have to, in some ways, compete with them to show up in search, to run Google ads, to optimize for SEO, to those, for those kinds of things. How do you compete with that and get them to your website first to save that? The first, so I think when we started, mo- almost all of our bookings were peer-to-peer. I think now probably 50% are direct. So we pretty quickly got that launched. We're running Facebook ads, which is my like bread and butter. Of, I've, I coach people on Facebook ads. I like I've run Facebook ads for probably five, six years. And plus, because we're like family owned and it's actually us doing it, right? Like we can show our personalities and make videos. I'm, I filmed. I'm going to have a video series coming out of our own trip. So we have, we, we, they're talking to us. So that's a good thing at this stage. The other thing too, is that you're right. I can't outbid them on Google, but what I can do is get a lot of good Google reviews. And when you're searching for RVs, the map shows up before. So when, if somebody is within, like we said, 50 miles of us, they're going to see us first because we don't have a ton of like angry customers. Like the map and the local SEO at the top, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, because of what Alec has done with the Google business profile and the website, if you're in New York City and you're searching for RV rentals, we're going to be one of the top, we're going to be one of the top businesses that show up. So we regularly get calls from New York City, even though they're passing other fran- other not large national franchises to get to us. That's golden. Because the national rental outfits don't have a local presence. They're, they're not optimizing it. There, there are local, there, they, there are some local presences, but they're not, they're not optimizing it. Like you said, there's a, I think a broadcast marketing practice that they have to take. In other words, their large companies are marketing nationally, whereas we're able to really fine tune what RV travel from or in the Hudson Valley looks like. So we can respond in a much more bespoke way, more a boutique way to the needs of folks in this region. We have we also have an international, we've quickly gotten an international clientele and we are managing things like arranging and a train station pickup for a family from Spain who's coming to the United States and they wanted to rent it our day. So we're going to pick them up from the train station across the river for us. So there's little things that we do that that cater much more to a more like an outfitter, just a rental company. And because of that, people really appreciate it, have a better experience, and are much more likely to say positive things afterwards. So then that leads me to my next question. As far as a, okay, we've talked about the national brands. Now let's look at the local people who are also renting RVs or trying to start or whatever else, right? How do you, how does what you do at Drive Home RV set you apart? Why, are, why is your rental with your company or with your equipment or whatever, why are you different? Good. Uh, 
I would say there's one part is again, like we are the ones doing it, but two, because our online, our website is more optimized than probably 99% of all of the websites. So but that doesn't make you better. That makes you smarter. Yeah. So we've got that well, covered. Yep. So that, because we were I'm building just giving our own... you a hard time, by the way, I'm not really, I'm just trying to, it's interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, my dad would probably agree with you on that. The website though, because it's optimized, very easy for people to use. They go in, they click around. It operates like a website that some, that you would assume from a huge company, right? They would have put tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars developing. So we have the mix of it's us. We have every place that they're trying to go. We've probably been to. So we have firsthand knowledge. Like we've been to all 50 states. My parents have done RV trips internationally. So it's a mixture of being able to give like actual, a lot of people just want to take an RV trip and then they come to us. We have blog posts, we send them articles, or we just say, Hey, some people book and they're like, oh, we don't even know where we want to go yet. So I'm like, all right, what do you like to do? I, we like to, to go, okay, so why don't you go to the White Cliff Mountains in New Hampshire and then come over the top down to New York State, go to the Finger Lakes and come back down to us. So I'd say it's a mix of probably the personalized local advice and then just the fact that our stuff is like newer. Optimized. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get to. Like, you're, like Steve was saying, the uh, personalized service, the personal touch, the you know, almost like the traveling. So but more, more nature concierge type responses than an individual renter usually is able to. And at a level that a larger franchise is probably not able to respond to. What's going to be difficult for us in the future is maintaining that, that attention to relationship as we scale up. Everything is a problem when you scale up, but that's one of those things that, that we really want to make sure we preserve. We were talking before about the effect of climate change on the industry. And one of the things that's important for us always to remember is that one of the reasons why camping is so attractive is because nature is a little bit dangerous. When we go out into the world in this way, we are experiencing life on the edge and we've taken a lot of corners off of it. Well, part of that feeling of being able to be out in nature, have a fire that you've created, eat the food that you've prepared in kind of primitive conditions, regardless of the $200,000 vehicle sitting behind you, it is a wonderful feeling of accomplishment and being close to nature as a result feels much more fulfilling. As re- but yeah, it's the pride that camp grounds because we want to support that too. What's that? So, so you see the bear and wild nature, and then you go to the private campgrounds. And you well, that's see- part of it, right? You see, when you go out there, I, we've seen many I mean, dangerous. I had my toothpaste eaten by multiple bears. I don't know if you're camping until you've had a bear dig yeah, into your I don't know backpack. why I have a thing. But I feel like my toothpaste—they don't want anything to do with. But that's good stuff. I've but lost the, you know, the idea. Is that when people are for us? We recognize that when people are encountering this for the first time, they have some fears and fantasies, and it's our job to help them understand the reality of their fears and help them prepare for it, and also help them just fill their fantasy out, but not be fooled by it completely so that when they encounter that first obstacle, then it feels like a failure. Very rarely have we had folks turn around and come back. It has happened. We, we've been receiving the smoke from up north and it's been pretty bad down here at times and we had one couple who turned around and, and just it was their first trip out and they they just couldn't take it they just couldn't do it and they turned around and came back and returned it and we, we felt very bad for them and i think they felt defeated and our job is to make sure that to the greatest extent possible we help folks not to have that experience and ultimately Go ahead. ultimately we'd love to have people come back to us but feeling of converting people that the idea at some point somebody said to us hey why don't you go to this dealership they give real good deals on 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 used rvs why don't you go there you might be able to get a good deal on one and as we're moving from tent camping to getting a unit an rv unit the travel trailer at the time that was a big first step for us and helping people to go through that is really i think we we've, we have this very important responsibility in the ecosystem of this industry. And uh, we take it very serious. Can I ask something, Steve? Yeah. Do you guys, uh, do you guys own the, the motorhomes and the trailers yourself? 
or is it like RV share and outdoorsy where somebody else owns them? Great question. Both. We have a number of units that we own, and then we also have units that are rented through us on consignment. So a couple of things to consider is that it's not, we started out as an individual renting one unit on RV share. And we put it up because I, last year I realized I wasn't going to be able to travel for the summer. I had start position. It was going to require me to be present. And so we decided, let's see about this rental thing and put our unit up for rental. And we had such a rewarding experience, both financially and personally, meeting people and sending it out with all these wonderful people who were doing it for the first time that we said, wow, we could, I could, I started thinking, wow, I could see this being a business that I would do in retirement. And we had conversations and because Alec has started and, and maintained several businesses and has been doing it for several years, we all got together, he, himself, myself, and my wife, Mary, and we put this plan together to build a business. He acquired a unit himself and we acquired a third unit and then another unit and we started advertising for consignments and a few people trusted us with their units and we're we rent them out just like we rent ours out and we're responsible for the maintenance and the upkeep and that management of the calendar and so forth. So, yeah. Steve, do you have, do, just a question, do you have a sweet spot as far as the length of rentals? Is it, or is it all over the map? It's a great, it's such a great question. It's one of the things that Alec and I talk about all the time is about, because we're, th we're considering expanding, you have to, if you're going to expand your fleet, you want to make sure you have the right fleet. And so we have a, a variety of things right now, everything from rather short travel trailers and a small fifth wheel to a fairly 28 foot travel trailer, a 24 foot class C, a 29 foot class C and a 32 foot class C. One that is the winner in terms of rental inquiries is the 29 footer. I think there's two factors. One is I think that size is about the sweet spot for a family because you can fit it in national parks. You can, it's, you can look at it and envision yourself driving it fairly easily, even if you've never driven something that large, but also because it was the first one that we rented, we have a series of reviews related to it. In terms of how we expand next, what we don't have in our fleet are class B vans. And there's some really good, solid class B vans that are at price points that we think are reasonable for us to be able to profit from that we may be looking at acquiring two, three, four of in the next year. So one of the things that has to happen as we expand is how our, how our debt planning goes along with that, because we, don't, we certainly don't have the money to buy five, four or five class Bs. So how we manage the way in which we buy them, i.e. do we buy them as a a, a retail consumer or a wholesale consumer? Do we somehow get a dealer license and buy directly through a company and buy en masse and how that works in terms of loans? It's all new for us. We're all processing that information. You need to find out. Yeah. So tell me, quick, tell me, Alec, would this work? What if you put an ad on Google that says, been attacked by a bear? Camping's not for you. Sell us your rig. Now that would, yeah, I'm going to write that down. I definitely. I think that would definitely catch people's attention. So it's saying ways for you to scale yeah, quicker. Yeah. yeah I'll That's send a, you a gift basket if it works. It's a good way to get an RV, but never be able to rent it out again. Right. <laughs> we have, I mean, it would add character. If you have some claw marks in an RV and maybe like yeah. a bear nail stuff into the RV. Yeah, there's for sure. There's people who go after gunshot tourism, right? And stuff like that. So that's not the clientele we're hoping for. Yeah. Right. Steve, uh, from my past, I used to work for some finance companies and some, somebody, in the, as well, a lot of people in the past set up these rental lines and bought brand new off of manufacturers. The downfall to that was, and to me, is that the depreciation is so extensive right out of the gate and these manufacturers for the programs needed some pretty hefty curtailments. Where I think your sweet spot is the use and the things and somewhere around five years, depreciation's less, and then have a model where you rent it out and then whatever income threshold you, you look at versus what the unit's worth and then keep on turning it over. From our perspective, we're seeing more and more people rent and Eleanor can say this too. And so can Phil, 
to try these units out and figure out which one they want. And I think from our standpoint, we love to see that because it means that there's a lot more interest in getting into our industry. So guys like you and Cater, whether it's regionally or whatever you guys grow to, is, is, is really attractive to us. Right. Well, you know, yeah. From a business standpoint, and I've been in doing this for 25 years, what you guys are going through right now is not uncommon for, for what we've seen over the years for rental. Starting out with consignments, building your own fleet out, however you decide to do that. The, the advent of the peer-to-peer has really scared a lot of dealers initially and rental dealers. What are we going to do? And we started surveying our members about that very issue. And when we started the survey three years ago, asking the question, are you using the peer-to-peer platforms? Only 10% said they were. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. This past spring, when we did the survey, half the dealers are using the peer-to-peer platforms, but they're selectively using it like in the shoulder seasons when it's they don't have the, the, the organic traffic to their websites. Yeah. So what you guys are doing is, is very similar to the experience that we see with, with the other rental agencies throughout the country. Right. And kudos to you for building a business and recognizing how you can pencil it out to make the most m- money, but right. also give the customer that end use customer the personal experience, right. because that's where a lot of the peer-to-peer really falls down is when the, the individual that's renting doesn't really have the experience to number one, check the customer out on the unit, which is bad for them and bad for the unit because they'll break it because they don't know how to use it. And then the other thing is they just have a much better experience with a professional rental agency than Joe down the street, who's renting out his 15 year old motorhome. I wholeheartedly agree with and endorse that view. And, and I think it's something we're pretty sensitive to. From my perspective, I wonder how, how we can create better business working relationships with dealers to that extent, because we have rented, I think we've had somewhere over 50 rentals so far this year, maybe a little bit more. I haven't captured that metric, but that's 50 folks the majority of whom don't have an RV, but are considering buying. And if we don't become a dealer, how can we form relationships with dealers around us so that we can create a warm handoff to a sales team that we respect, that we know is going to take care of our clients and is going to give us a good reputation. And by the way, is going to also on the other side, serve us and perhaps be able to provide us with two, three-year-old trade-ins at a good value and really build up pipeline in that direction as well. There's so many things. And I just, and I just wonder what your thoughts are on how those relationships might look if they were optimized. It's all over the map. What I've seen over the years, it's, it's everything from a independent rental agency actually setting up a rental desk at a dealership because renting for some dealers just is not part of their overall business plan. Why wouldn't they do it? They don't have the space. They don't have the personnel. They don't have the the service capacity to prep the unit because they would rather make money on customer pay and warranty work on the service side and prepping units, tying up bays for that is just not something they're interested in. But I've seen those partnerships with the independent rental agencies work quite well. What are some of the issues, some of the issues are turnover at both, both the rental agency and the dealership. It's hard to keep those up if, when people change. So you just have to work on it like any other business relationship, sure. but, but it, it certainly can happen. Yeah. So and there's, yeah. And I would say as well, working with there's status in the U S there are state association, RV dealer associations, and maybe getting to know some of the people through the state association in New York and getting to know some of the dealers there, because my question to you would be, how do you do the servicing? How do you handle the servicing? Because we know that has to happen. And especially if you have first time users, right? There might be a little bit more servicing. So to develop, if you're not doing it yourself, maybe developing a relationship with one of the dealers around would be very beneficial for both. That's an interesting point because 
there's recently I've heard a news item that they I forgot the term of, of industry is for it, but the time from a service booking to the time it's completed has been reduced from 40 something days to 30 something days, big shift, but still a long period of time for us. Turnover is generally 24 hours. So I have, I have a unit come back. It doesn't have a, I find out that it doesn't, that the air conditioner isn't working. I get one from camping world and I drive up there, get it, bring it back, put it on that day and it's out the door. So our responsiveness in terms of service in order to survive has to be rapid and scaling that up from seven units to 14 to 21 to 50 to hundred, that's going to be very tricky. But in order for us to do this work, it has to happen. We want our, our projections are based roughly on a 45% occupancy rate. Our goal is hundred percent. We're well over 45% occupancy rate. Like we, we meet that that very modest standard, but in order to be at hundred percent, that means you don't have units to substitute when you have one that goes down, have to be able to be at eight o'clock at night, have somebody on an RV roof who knows how to do the work, do it well, do it completely, do it solidly so that when it goes out the following day, it is unquestionably ready to go. And that is tough. That is very tough. I, I would say that getting to 100 percent of probably a pie in the sky. Probably if you're, if you're at if you're at 80 percent, I think I'd be like ecstatic. When you guys grow, your cash flow and working capital, whatever projections, are going to be the biggest key for you guys. Yeah, because of as you grow and you maybe get more inventory owned by yourselves, but those forecasts and the downtime whatever periods are going to be really key for you guys. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And it already is. Yeah. It already is. So managing that as we scale is, is a question of staffing. You need more people and I can't produce another Alec and Alec can't produce another me and we can't produce another Mary. We have these skills and abilities and values that we bring to the business. So creating systems that, 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 embody some of the ways in which we do things and then putting the right people in place. That is our challenge. I think over the next 12 months. One, one thing that I haven't seen that much from other rental companies, including those peer to peer guys is to offer a discount to your renters, to be an influencer and have them document on a reel or whatever. Hey, I got this unit from drive home RV and look where we are or something. It's, I don't you see that. Can you, huh? that. can you be the influencer? <laughs> uh, no, you'd want somebody a lot better than me, Brian. The actual consumers or whatever, I just don't see that many testimonials out there. Yeah, and it could be a roving sales force for you. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Some of it independent, some of it tied to the manufacturers. Gore being does a certain right. amount of that. Yes, um, absolutely. As well. And f- as far as El Monte and Cruz, one of the things that that they're really focused on is the international market. And so they're not as, they're really d- do a lot of work internationally. So they're not into that thing. And they leave a lot of the domestic to the, to the independents. But, you know, that's a good point. And I think one of the things about, and I'm sure you found this, Alec, as you were researching the rental space, there's not a ton of information on RV rentals out there because of you've got some big, privately held companies that don't really, they don't need to. And frankly, they're probably not all that excited to, to, uh, to bring more big players into the space. So it, it is hard to find out what's going in, on out there. But uh, I do believe our survey that we do every spring shows that it is a very vibrant market, but at the same time, it's a challenging market because RV dealer makes a sale once, gets a new one, makes another sale. You're selling constantly every week. You've got to, you've got to get that person down the road and then start it all over again. Yeah. I think we've definitely had feelings of vibrant and challenging. Definitely experienced both of those quite a few times. It's a dynamic industry. We've had to replace one AC on one unit twice within three weeks. All right. So here's our, that wasn't vibrant. I want to switch this just a little bit, right? Not too far away from what we're talking about for the next, for the last 15 minutes of the show and talk about this. I'm very interested because we talked a little bit about the changing times for dealers, the fact that purchases aren't the same as they were last year, all those kinds of things. 
as I'm hearing all of you talk, I'm thinking about rentals and how, yes, I think we had Cruise America and Canada Dream. Is that what it is up here? Canada Dream. So we had, those, Dream and we had those back in 2008 during the last recession, right? But we really didn't have anyone else renting RVs at the scale and size that we do now, whether from a company or from a drive home RV perspective. Do we think that if there ends up being a recession or a slowdown, in, which has already happened, right? Do we think that rental RVs help bridge that gap and continue to allow lifestyle until they're ready to purchase again? Do we think that's maybe a bridge to keep them in the RV space longer? Because I think it is. So I, I will jump in on that answer with what I've been thinking about in that space. Think that there is room for an RV rental company to allow people to spend less money first, right? So you buy an RV and if you buy a motorhome, you put a great deal of money down and then commit yourself to large payments. Now you can buy a travel trailer used for very modest means. So really where the market I think comes is in motorized camping, right? It becomes class C's, class A's, class B's. Those are the areas where I think people will be able to. I think what we end up having to do is we have very particularly complex systems in our motorhomes today. And then we don't think of them as complex, but in order to get them cheaper, you'd have to do some things that are a little bit different and get them more modest. And if you can create units that you can purchase a little bit more modestly, maintain a little bit more modestly, you can go down, down income category, I think a little bit. And I think you, there's a, there will be a market, even if recession becomes a major factor in our economy. I, I think the question is, what will people want in that experience? Will they want to travel with an RV because they think it's a cheaper way to see places? Do they want to travel in an RV because they want adventure in the outdoors? And I don't think I need some of those things. Well, I really can, but I think an inexpensive travel experience is not for me the thing that I feel like I'm able to provide as much of, although I can do a little bit. We're really good at a hotel. How's that? Cheaper than a hotel. Can be, absolutely. Yeah. So that's the, I'm not talking about marketing it as cheap, but marketing it as more affordable. Studies have shown both in the US and in Canada that RV travel is one of the most affordable family vacation opportunities. And And if we look at the last downturn during the, the recessionary period, Campground occupancy did not go down nearly as much as RV sales. Campground occupancy was down five, six percent. People were still using units, whether they were they just held on to them longer or perhaps they rented. And it's amazing because some of the studies we've done on buyers, the number that have rented before they they bought isn't all that high. You would think it'd be 20, 30 percent, it's 12 percent. So while that's not an insignificant number, when you think about, okay, 12% of those rentals, that's bought, that's still a pretty good number. It isn't as much as you might think. And there are a lot of people that rent for a specific reason or just because they want to have a one-time experience. And then next year they'll go do something else. We've got to keep, keep a wide, on the rental side, I think you have a, you have to kind of keep, cast a wide net. There's not, it's hard to put everybody in a bucket. I don't understand. Clear. I'm not talking about taking away sales, right, from dealers. I'm talking yeah. about if there is this slowdown and willingness to spend a lot of money, then maybe that keeps the demand pent up to the point where when interest rates come back down, it pops for dealers. Phil, I also wonder, as you were talking, I was thinking about in past years, what the access to rental units was. So today, the access to rental units is much greater than it was 10 or 20 years ago, certainly. And how that into influences the market, I think, is a, a story yet to be told in the data. But I'm interested in it because it, it is very clear from our experience that we have large numbers of people, probably the majority of folks who rent an RV from us, are telling us they're interested, they're thinking about buying, and they're renting. And we have people renting for lots of reasons, asking about, they've got construction in their house, they need a unit to stay in, 
We have one unit that's going to California and back over five weeks. We have another unit up in the Maritimes visiting Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island. And, and, and there are lots of reasons why people do this. But I think that having access now to rentals so easily is a game changer for folks. We've also had folks contact us asking if we had a specific model because they were thinking about buying it and they wanted to rent it from us. And that made my ears pick up. I thought, boy, if that's the case, what models should we have? And there's a wider variety of available now through the peer-to-peer market than there used to be. It used to be Class C motorhomes was like 80% of the rental market. Yes. And now that's that's changed quite a bit, whether it's peer-to-peer or on dealer lots. If they're a rental dealer or for rental agencies like you guys, it's a wider variety of units for sure. Hey, I want to ask a follow-up question. I know we're close to the end, Ryan. I don't mean to jump on your on your role here, but I have an question. It's always way better if I shut up. So please, <laughs> I believe one of the one of the conversations earlier was about what what units we had and what we we're thinking, how we we're thinking about expanding or thereabouts. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, as folks who have been watching the industry professionally for a period of time, what would your advice be to us as a rental agency? What should our expansion look like in terms of types of unit or the market we should be in? Based on our survey of the kinds of units that are being stocked right now. And we ask this every, every year. Like I said, it used to be almost 80% class C units. And there's a lot of good reasons for that. If it breaks down, it can be towed to a car dealer and get fixed most of the time. At least they can get the people back and forth. Um, and there's a certain appeal to having the same unit so that if something does happen, you just swap it out and the person doesn't know the difference. So there's that part of it. However, with everybody having tow vehicles now, and a lot of people having hitches already, the tow vehicle market has really taken off too. And of course, for the rental agency, you have less of a financial stake in that towable unit. Yeah. But I think you hit the nail on the head. That family unit, that family size unit is, seems to be the one that is the most... Uh, Unless they're in a specialty market area for some reason, like around NASCAR, NASCAR tracks, we see uh, a larger class A's that's very popular around there. Yeah. But that the family unit seems to be the tollable unit of choice. It makes sense, right? You have four people to defend against there. All right. What else do we got to talk about? We got five minutes left here. What do we want to? Anything that's come across your desk, Shane, Phil, Eleanor, Alec, and Steve, you have anything else to add? One thing that's interesting is I've been running every day around where I am. I'm outside Amsterdam. There's a ton of like small class C RVs around here. Like I, I'm next to a golf course and there's eight parked in the parking lot. And even when I was in Spain too, I was like going in the top of this mountain and there was like a parking lot just filled of RVs. There's RV. That was one thing I was surprised was like, there was a ton yeah, yeah. they have like small thing. class C's. Like, they're, yeah. I don't even know, I don't know if they're class B's or class C's, but they're like, there's a ton here everywhere I go. Yeah, it's interesting. And more and more U.S. manufacturers are looking at that European market and how they're building those units, the size of them, the weight. They're just, they're much different units than that are on the U.S. roads, very much smaller units and more compact. For a lot of different reasons. You get taxed on weight in Amsterdam. You get taxed on weight in Netherlands. So they might arrest you for a super C or something like that. Try to get that over here. Exactly. But there's a lot to learn. You'll see the Dusseldorf show coming up. You'll see a lot of U.S. folks checking that out. Shane, Eleanor. Yeah. Is that in August or September, Phil? It's coming up. The end of August. Yeah. For those of us who don't know, the Dusseldorf show is what? Big European RV show, and it's massive. It's truly a European show that crosses all countries, even though it's in Germany. And Germany is a big producer of RVs, but Italy, Spain, France, the Euros, they're all there. Yeah, two hours away. We've RVed in Spain, Alec had mentioned before, and it was striking to me how the similarities in the industry and also that some of the differences were things that I had never considered what people are doing in their camping lives in Europe versus the United States. And a lot to be learned. I think in Tampa, the Tampa RV show the past two years, we've seen this very 
salient shift from these traditional United States-based designs to more European models being introduced and more European sensibilities introduced into our into the palette of units that you say. The design, the materials started this shift, and it's really, I think, going to create a refresh for the industry that's marvelous. Do you have a, is there a peer of RVDA in Europe or RVIA in Europe? Well, be. they have their own associations over there. Eleanor, you've had more to deal with that a little bit than I have, but they, yeah. we t- they're combined groups too. The dealers, manufacturers, and sometimes the campgrounds are all in one group together. Yeah. And the largest one is the German association. But there are ones in England and France, and generally they're yeah, an industry association. Yeah, we just like hung out with a guy from Australia last month. Yeah. Well, yeah. I and, ask is that do you think there's a possibility we reach out? I'd love to have maybe Australia's time zone is too different, but maybe we can. Yeah, we could. I can. I know the person in me, Daniel. I can maybe forward contact info. And... He would be the same time zone Alex in, so it would be late, right, for him. Yeah, I can go meet up with him. Dusseldorf's actually only two and a half hours from it. 24 hours wow. biking. I only have an electric bike here, so I'll just see if I can make that. <laughs> I think you should get to Dusseldorf. It'll be fun. Yeah. I will have to perspectives we've tried to bring in try to bring in my bar the first week on her show we have and he's got some business here but i really would like to get that perspective because i think it's valuable for all of us to learn from each other wherever we are in the world especially as we adapt there's things that they can take away from us there's things they can take away from them i think that perspective is super valuable where else are we going to do another digital show any else any closing thoughts we got about a minute left I just want to say thank you for inviting us. It was an honor and pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation. Crash ideas, and I really appreciate it. Look forward to having more conversations in the future. Good luck with your business going yeah. forward. Sounds like you guys got a good plan going forward. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And yeah, good luck. If you need to scale and you're having trouble, come back and see us. And talk to Phil again. I don't, I've only heard rumors, but I really think like Phil actually talks to every single dealer every day. Makes I've only heard rumors about that. But I'm pretty sure that's true. Well, thank you guys for joining us. I appreciate it. For another episode of MC Fireside Chat, Steve and Alec, thanks for taking us through Drive Home RV. It's really always interesting to hear those entrepreneurial stories. But you can hear me with the wind still. I've got my hands cupped across the bottom. I don't know. Find out. But thank you for joining us for another episode, and we will see you next week. And take care, guys. I appreciate you. Phil, Shane, Eleanor, everybody. Take care. Take care. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com. 